what's sad about iDubbbz is that he kind of represented a certain philosophy around comedy, around content in general, where even if it's not your cup of tea, it should be okay to create content with anything in it that you so desire, you know, short of actual crime. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, it's, I was just watching a lot of his content and I was thinking, wow, you just couldn't make this stuff today. And I think that's sad because I want more people and I want there to be more of a demand in the content creation market for people that have no limits. The concept of having limitless options, nearly. It does spark creativity that you can't have with all the boxed-in walls of YouTube nowadays. I mean, they they caged it, again, they caged in PewDiePie. That dude was notoriously edgy and raunchy. And now he's a PG-13 at, like, at worst. Yeah, I know. It's kind of frustrating. Idubs has, has put down his... Has uh, stepped down from his throne and he is passing the scepter on to somebody else. We'll just have to see who that is. Yeah, and they're going to have to be a real them. shameless firebrand. Like, they'll, it'll really have to be someone who is shameless because it'll take that to withstand the storm that comes against people who are caught in the crossfire. Well, are you ready to hop into it's it? It's enough social commentary for one morning. It's, it's only 9.30 in the morning and we've already hit a major, major cultural commentary and i'm running on no sleep so well then let's switch gears and let's switch gears before i pass out on the desktop here welcome to the deep fried gaming and podcast a podcast focusing on games and game news we do old games new games reviews roasts and retrospectives i am one of your hosts josh and i am the other one rj and we are hitting it pretty early because i have a busy day ahead so I am going to an undisclosed location that is specifically Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Not where I live. However, I have to catch a flight there today. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll bring all of my recording gear. And while I'm out there, I'll just record in my hotel room. And then it occurred to me that I booked a hostel because money. it's a lot cheaper. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there for a day and a half, two days. Why would I book two full nights at a hotel when I could just, you know bunk it with my backpack like oh so i can't record because there's going to be six other or five other people there cringe <laughs> so we had to like reschedule and and uh get up 5 30 this morning get going on all of our notes and not to mention that we are not to mention that we crapped the bed earlier this week already on recording so we couldn't f- once or twice once just once once yeah. yeah, we almost crapped the bed a second time when your blacklist failed to mm. work properly. Speak of, this week's game is a favorite of mine through high school and junior high, and a game which has had some controversy for a few reasons, but is the most recent title in the Splinter Cell series, Splinter Cell Blacklist. And the most recent title uh from 2013 yes not very recent just the most recent (laughs) (laughs) throwing back almost 10 years to the most recent oh my gosh that was almost 10 years ago (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) jeez man so i have not played this game uh i knew rj was a huge fan of it. you you hadn't played this game before this week 
I was clarifying for you that you had. Oh, I said haven't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had not. Yeah, thank you. There's no Nazis in this game. Stand down. Um, <laughs> for once. Yeah, for once, a war game without Nazis. Anyway, so we both pulled up to this game, and uh, it's not a very long game because I managed to beat it in basically two and a half nights. Luckily. By the skin of Luckily. your teeth, did we finish yeah. this game well, in time? not really. Finished about 7 or 8.30 last night. You haven't done like any of the side missions, though. Two of them. And we'll get into all that later. But let's uh, let's 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 boot in with the the visuals. How how is 2013 looking in 2023 or 2022? Oh god, those cutscenes are rough, man. <laughs> in this game's defense, it at least looks like there's life behind the eyes about 80 to 90 percent of the time. With a bunch of That's other true. games, not so much. The facial animations. So, namely the mouths looks like it looks like it's straight off of sonic adventure on the dreamcast <laughs> or whatever but they at least attempted to do some form of lip syncing and i've seen modern AAA games that don't have any lip sync yeah. oh my god it's terrible <laughs> no they they, they did like, try. try to animate the mouths at, at the very least which is something i don't think ubisoft would do now they actually did a pretty good job visually capturing the setting it doesn't look chunky awful 720p bs uh it is a game that was made in 2013 however so those fine-tuning facial animations are probably reserved only for the most well-funded of games of this era so the fact that those cutscenes on the visual side are uh not the hugest not the biggest downside i've ever experienced Especially since the cutscenes are generally not occupying a ton of the space in the game. No. Now, aside from cutscenes, though, the actual environments themselves um, and, and the enemies, I think they look pretty darn good. And I don't know if this has to do with the fact that we're both playing on a PC with maxed out graphics. I don't know the comparison. I'm sure it's pretty true. I'm, to I'm Xbox. sure 360 probably doesn't. Is it? It's it's definitely a little better. Um, you're also getting more frames out of it, which is a huge deal. I'm such, such a sucker for frames, but, uh, I actually has played this. I've actually played this game on Xbox 360 for more hours than I have on PC. No way. Which is saying a lot because I have about 90 hours, 90 hours in this game on PC. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely stays relatively accurate to it. I didn't look up any comparisons okay. or anything like that, but um it's either just from your experience it's not noticeable no, to be No, it's not like, oh my gosh, this it. is just so much better than the Xbox three sixty. I can't even believe it. The greatest leaps in quality for the Xbox to the PC is the ability to use mouse and keyboard for aiming, which is huge for a game like this where you're constantly needing to uh analyze the environment around you. Uh, and then also yeah. frames, which, again, is pretty big when you need to shoot once precisely as opposed to shooting a bunch of times and just hitting your target at least a couple times in a spray of 10 bullets. But, yeah, visually, it's a product of its time. Nothing yeah. next gen, but nothing awful. Yeah. 
my wrap up would be the same. Uh, I, I I was pleasantly surprised by it just because we're so used to the the modern. Um, we played a lot of newer games recently, and it, it feels like going back. You're gonna be slapped in the in the mouth. Yeah, but um, it's it's really not that bad. And I went back last night after finishing to our next game from 1999. Yeah, that's a and, uh, that's a real that's, cold bucket of ice water, real... isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I won't reveal what that game is, but uh, but it's definitely aged. It's it's aged, yeah. Anyways, sound design, uh, definitely yeah, some strong and points and definitely some super weak points. Okay, I'm glad to hear you say that because I had one, at least one in particular that I was a little uh, under underwhelmed by. Was it the gun sound effects? No, those are fine. I hated them. Felt they were crunchy. I don't want a gun spot to be crunchy. I want it to feel like a lot of force is being suppressed by that. Okay, silencer. so here's the thing. Like what? Splinter Cell is obviously going for for going for realism. Have you ever heard a silenced gun being shot? I don't care. I don't want realism. I want to feel cool. <laughs> well, I don't know. Go play uh, one of their other Tom Clancy games because that's when they stopped trying to adhere to any sort of realism. Did you know in the first Tom Clancy game, uh, 2001 or whenever it was released, uh, they, they were working alongside Thomas Clancy himself. Yeah. And they wanted the little goggles to be able to swap between like the different modes, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And he was he was very much against it because he was like, that's unrealistic. That could never actually happen. Yeah, he was yeah, like, this look like it's of a sci-fi movie. <laughs> no, I, I think because they have a, a bent towards realism, <laughs> and I say this acknowledging the absurdity of being able to just sneak with a silenced pistol. It's not that quiet. Mm-mm. But yeah. Generally speaking, it's going to sound more like a muffled gunshot than a whistle. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So I understand why they did that, and I don't have a problem with it. Point taken. My issue, though, is with the surround sound, my headphones. Oh, I didn't use that. Did you have a problem with this? I did stereo because I was using my earphones most of the time. And my uh, headphones are are only stereo. They don't have 5.1. So. Really? Yeah, these uh. The Razer... The wireless ones, yeah. Yeah, is it Razer... It's not Razer Kraken, is it? I don't know. Whatever they are, they're only stereo, unfortunately. They hmm. have the thing where you can do THX, but that's like a paid subscription. I don't want that. <laughs> I'm not paying... <laughs> paid subscription for surround sound? What in the world? It's the THX high-definition surround thing where it's like got some like more in-depth sound capacity, like capabilities, but also surround. I'm not paying money for that crap. Get out of my you face, You have to DLC your headphones? Yeah, t- talk about a rip-off. But then again, <laughs> you have to pay extra for 5.1 headsets, so I guess pick your poison. I choose to do neither. Okay. Anyway, well, 5.1 surround, wired, so do you tell imagine. me. Do tell me about your issues with it. Well, I I couldn't find people based upon their their voices, except for like very very basically like left to right. What? Okay, kind of get the idea, but vertically up and down, I had the hardest time actually identifying um, where voices were coming from. I even with stereo which is kind was of able important to tell. in a stealth game. Really? Yeah, even with stereo, you could like um, so. Left to right, super easy. I just had to like rotate and I pretty much like if I heard a voice, I pretty much always knew roughly where it was coming from uh, within like a 20 to 30 degrees of accuracy. 
And you just have to hear if it's muffled or not to tell what direction it's coming from. If it's up above you, same floor, what have you. Especially when you have the radar. And because the, uh, the radar, I don't know if you noticed this, but the character dots will get dimmer if they're separated by floors. Did you notice that? I didn't notice. I didn't use it very much because I didn't find it particularly useful. Fair enough. But it was very unrealistic, very science fiction. <laughs> uh, that cracked me up that, as well. That the the mini map kind of aided with that as well. You kind of have to use multiple information feedbacks to gather information quickly. But once you again, I've played this game for a very long time. I've put a lot of hours in, so it's kind of like clockwork now for me. Where if I hear something, I can hear where it's coming from, and then I know to look. It's kind of just a subconscious system at this point, but. I can 100% see why it wasn't as approachable on that front because I did have to use visual aids for that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just felt that it wasn't really the feedback that I needed to best yeah. maneuver and plan my strategies, but it, it didn't really kill the game because ultimately it's somewhat of a forgiving stealth system that doesn't require that you plan out every move. You can think on the fly. And yeah. I was playing on an easier difficulty. I was playing on normal, but yeah, um, well, yeah. yeah. Soundtrack. The the music itself is a is a is a good great backer. Was that sarcastic? It's a great backer. No. Okay. It's a great backer. You're doing that thing where you make a sarcastic face while you say something that I want to hear, and then it makes me question reality. It's like the most subtle form of (laughs) gaslighting ever. It makes me so pissed (laughs) off. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> if you freaking hated the soundtrack, then so be it. I will say this. It's not the best thing to listen to on its own, but I think that it provided a really effective and dramatic backdrop to the cutscenes in between the missions. And I thought that it added a lot of adrenaline to high intensity situations when they occurred. It wasn't like it was overwhelming the scenario, but I think that it was cheesily fun, if that makes sense. Like, it was just so, like, cheesy intense. It couldn't, like, help but send shivers down my spine during an intense cutscene. It's a military thriller, bro. I know. That's why it doesn't need yeah. to be, like, orchestrally beautiful. Just add lots of drums. Add an intense bass drop when a character says something intense. Boom. Yeah, like the, like the boom or something <laughs> like that. It's just, it's so over-the-top intense, but you can't help but f- feel how cool it is, you know? It's like the, the no, appeal of a, of a though. military movie for any teenage because, guy. Because I think you're right. It is cool. And I'm not being facetious when I said I think it's a great backer. But one of the things I appreciate, this is kind of story, but not really spoiler related, so I don't really care. Uh, one of the things I really enjoyed was how grounded Sam Fisher, especially his dialogue was. Like I don't think at any point he ever dropped was- some snappy one liner. It was all very organic, natural conversation. And the temptation in this kind of thing is to have everyone be super overly badass. But he was just very straightforward, very to the point, very organic. And I actually appreciated that a ton. Okay, we're about to step into some mad controversy here. Do you know uh, the whole Sam Fisher voice actor deal in this game? I know that they, they, they I don't know the actual drama behind it, but I know they switched voice actors. Yeah, so Sam Fisher's voice actor was Michael Ironside, 
it was this really gruff takes no yeah. kind of character that they crafted around this voice and i really like this voice actor not because i think it's better or anything like that um as from a voice acting perspective but i thought that the way that they portrayed sam fisher's character in this game was incredibly fitting with the voice actor because sam fisher's character in this game was incredibly decisive he was cold he was assertive decisive and relatively impartial and he was very down to business and yeah his character will say funny little quips but it's not over the top it's not belying the character that the game and the setting portrays him to be and i thought the voice actor monotone isn't always bad and this is one of those instances that i think that more monotone less dramatic voice acting was definitely to the benefit of the character that they were trying to portray in that instance Mm -hmm. not saying michael ironside wasn't as good as this guy or whatever just this setting this like if you were to remove yourself from the disappointment of it not being michael ironside on an objective level pretty good i gotta say (laughs) the closest parallel i can think of to this is is uncharted and the dude is energetic and goofy and you know the the all the games are very funny there's a lot of comedic writing in them and but the, the tone of the game is entirely different i think one of the well this is all story so i'm not going to get into this but um i just i think that it was the right choice to make because i was pleasantly surprised by his character and the fact that he wasn't an over the top action hero who just he just you mm-hmm. know s- spreads around one liners like dollar bills at a strip club yeah and the there was even though it was mostly monotone, he conveyed the emotion when he needed to. The between the motion cap, yeah. the subtle facial features, and subtle delivery of lines, he did convey the right emotion when it needed to happen. So for that, I was appreciative with a more careful eye. Well, having played a couple recent stealth games, um, how does the gameplay in this hold up? I actually have to say that I know you're going to disagree with me for this, but I think it actually has one of the more, I think it balances realism and playability incredibly well. And it had one of the more fair and consistent and enjoyable stealth shooting setup of most other stealth games that I've played. Other games can kind of circumvent the difficulty of this by removing guns that make noise. But seeing as how we're playing a game that has guns with silencers on it, that adds a a dimension to difficulty in terms of making the game believable and playable that I think it stacks up pretty well. In my opinion. I know you were having some frustrations with that early on especially. I don't know how that, if that was alleviated over the course of the game as you learned how the stealth AI worked, but I, having played it There's through some... years and on perfectionist difficulty, I thought that the perfectionist difficulty kind of blended all those things perfectly. Yeah. I'd imagine maybe what I was running into was some kind of inklings of the harder difficulty f- sneaking their way into normal, and so I was surprised by them. mm but there are some mechanics in this game that I I don't know if I've ever really seen. 
in other games, other stealth games. The detection system in this game is a little bit weird. Now, I don't, I like it, but I was just not expecting for it to be so thorough. So you were explaining to me that apparently there are a certain like body parts that if mm-hmm. enough is exposed. Yeah, this is something that actually that I actually really appreciated them adding in. It really breaks immersion when you're playing a stealth game and like you're theoretically butted up against a wall. Half of your body is exposed and the NPC somehow doesn't see you still the way that because you're in cover. Yeah, quote unquote. There's like a hard and fast in cover, out of cover state that the game puts you in, which is super immersion breaking. And I know it doesn't. I know that I'm being overly simplistic, but this game basically has a set of bones points in Sam Fisher's body that once a certain number of them or a certain set of them are seen by the NPC, then you start getting detected. So even if you're behind cover, if the angle is towards the NPC or there's certain parts of the cover that kind of dip and are broken away, you'll still be in, uh, you'll still be detected possibly depending on where you're situated in relation to the NPC, which I did. Yeah, lot of angles matter a it. lot. Yeah. Angles matter a lot in this game. You you cannot just ramp to a wall, hit cover, and expect to be safe, which I expect to do because I've been trained over countless stealth games. That is how this that's how this is done by lazy AI, (laughs) which I do appreciate. However, I do think it it, it presents some challenges. Uh, There were a couple scenarios where they had laid out basically a path for me to stealth my way through and these particular areas were pretty linear there wasn't really a secondary path i could have gone but i would be crawling along the wall and the detection meter would just be going up and down up and down up and down you don't know at what point it's going to take over and decide oh yeah you're spotted even though i'm against the wall and the only place i could really be i have no weapons that i can shoot somebody with i'm thinking of the detention level by the way oh so we're we're clear on why i can't you know I know what you're talking about. That, so you have to get up close to personal, basically. That level stumped me for a long time. Yeah. So, the, yeah, there were just a couple instances where I was like, I don't know what the game really wants you to do. You're right? talking, I presume you're so talking just, about the one where it's like the two snipers are looking out over the yard and they have the two people talking about soccer for a split second there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so this is a common that, thing. Yes, yeah, so that one stumped me for such a long time. Uh, I figured out the method, um, and I, I got it pretty through. quick. But it just seemed like I cheesed it, and it wasn't exactly fair. It was more a matter of poor game design being. Yeah, this frustration is a testament to how well the rest of the game was designed. Because the second that it entered, that it placed you in a super linear place with few options, it really stuck out like a sore thumb. You know, because mm-hmm. the entire rest of the game is offering you so many options, tools to get around what you need to and all that business. So the fact that you're immediately aware of how few options you have once it introduces a super linear section is a testament to how well the rest of the game is designed, in my opinion. Uh, before we go on, I do want to acknowledge a couple of things, because. Aside from the mechanical things, I had some actual real issues i had a lot of crashes the first half of the game for whatever reason was good and the second half crashed repeatedly basically once or twice per level very frustrating i did figure out a fix um which you can find on pc at the very least 
But there's also a particular bug that apparently was never patched out in the the special mission headquarters. You're supposed to be following a dude, and you're hiding behind like a gate. And one of the staff of this facility walks up and talks to him and then walks out a door. Well, the door is supposed to close and trigger the next, like, scene, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen. And so when you hop out and go to follow the dude, you get detected and shot at and, and, and lose. And it's just this endless loop. There's a way to get out of it, but I was stumped for about 35 minutes. Very, very frustrating. So there's a lot of technical problems that Ubisoft has decided it's not, not worth their time to fix. Yeah. No kidding. Um, so you, you, you're going to want to, like, self-patch your game and then look up how to fix that bug if you do run into it. Not great. And, and I know we talk about modern games. Oh, well, we'll fix it in a day one patch. This is a bit of a problem. This is 2013. I don't know at what point games started to tick over into the live service category, but it was a thing back then, too. Just a, just a note. Yeah, and this is a, actually a pretty common problem with the blacklist in particular. Uh, lots of support issues, crashes, glitches, things not running quite up to snuff. And it's unfortunate, but just the reality of the situation. Um, it's yeah. something that I've gone round and round with this game. There's usually some kind of uh, immersion breaking glitch or some kind of crash or performance issue of some sort each time I decide to play through this game, of which I, a course of action, which I have taken up regularly at least three or four times <laughs> by now on my PC. So it, it is a consistent problem. Uh, so that is something that is of legitimate concern and frustration because these things are never going to be patched out. This game was made in 2013. They're never going to go back and fix them. So it's just going to be a thing that I have to live with forever, (laughs) at least until they make a new Splinter Cell game. Uh, One little funny and one funny quirk of this gameplay is the whole killing and sparing scenarios and how they (laughs) completely don't affect the story or your score (laughs) at at all. all. Um, On the flip side, they just wanted to be down off impulse. Yeah. On the flip side, though, I appreciate the scoring system it actually makes sense and does what a scoring system ought to do. Most often scoring systems are completely useless and only a measure of skill that gets you to play level over and over again until you get that S rank. The way that it works in this game is that you can specialize in one set, whether it's assault, uh, panther, or ghost. Ghost and panther being lethal, stealth, or non-lethal stealth and forcing you to put all of your eggs into one basket and specialize in one each level, which both both encourages you to craft your, uh, your weapon sets while going into each round into each level for a certain scenario, but also rewards you heavily in cash for all these different wood for specializing. Doesn't make a lot of in-world sense. Like, not the government's not giving you more because you killed everyone or because you didn't kill anyone, but it is a fun little uh, gameplay element that actually made sense, which was Take fun. that, Tom Clancy. Take that, Tom Clancy. Your game broke my immersion. Just There's a lot of money to go around in this game. Yeah, I it was... really... 
burning it after I beat the main story like crazy. <laughs> I was just literally going through because I had four mil. I was just going through unlocking every single gun and every single attachment just just because. Yeah, I uh, basically between every mission I would go buy. So in this game, there are upgrades for your plane. You can upgrade all the different decks and rooms in your plane that gives you certain perks. You can buy new weapons. You can buy new uh, clothing, you know, spec ops clothing. But uh, between every level, I would go and I would upgrade my plane or drain all my money on new weapons. By the time I come out, I usually have, a, you know, a bunch more to spend. And I skipped one or two levels because it was like super fast paced. And I got out of there with like 700 grand. I was like, okay, yikes. I don't want to say it's broken because I don't think it really is theoretically. Well, it kind of is, though. That's the thing. I, I, I was going to say, theoretically, if I unlocked more weapons, but if I unlock more weapons, I'm doing more missions and earning more money. Yeah, but also this kind of gets to probably one of my complaints about the gameplay as a whole is the... The U.S. is spending too much money on the military is, what, is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I think it's a political stance that they're definitely taking a, a, a political Ubisoft just funneling the entirety of the taxpayers' dollars into fourth echelon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I disliked how pretty much you could dump all of your money into a certain gun set right at the like three levels into the game, and you pretty much have your loadout for the rest of the game. That's probably my only big complaint is that once you get to probably the fourth mission, the only assuming you're playing the game well and specializing in either assault, ghost, or panther you don't really have a lot of weapon buying and customizing to do uh, by the halfway point of the game, which I didn't love. Um, it would have been nice to have something to unlock and work towards as the game goes, but um, not that you just complained ever. It's on the flip side. It's nice to have all of your equipment at the halfway point so you can actually use it. So on the flip side, you don't have all the choice paralysis of, oh my goodness, there's 45 different guns. Which one do I use? Yeah. And then just true. spam buying all these garbage guns or guns that do the exact same thing as the last one, but have a deagle skin. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. It, this game wasn't meant to I be they flipping through a, menus. <laughs> I think they picked a good path with it. The fact that they have five or six from each different class, right? Yeah. Four or five shotguns, a couple sniper rifles, a couple SMGs. I think it was a good list and it was what they needed and nothing more. And for me, yeah, I only went through, I think, four or five different guns in total, both sidearm. Uh, well, yeah, probably in total, both sidearm and my, my main pistol. Yeah. But I, I didn't feel like there was a need to, to have repeated upgrades because all the missions fundamentally are the same. You're, you're a special operative and you're sneaking in there the same as last time. What really matters are the gadgets you bring. Not only to your playstyle, but also to the execution of a of a particular mission. And that's where you spend a lot of time. That's where your customization goes in, and the the clothing gets pretty expensive. Yeah, true. And for what it's worth, I think the gadgets were pretty cool. Yeah, they were useful for sure. A lot of them are pretty were, were, were a little simple, but uh, I like the little the little noise bug. You throw yeah, this little sticky the noise bug, maker. Mm -hmm. It just makes static. Dude runs out. But yeah, that's about it for gameplay. We didn't really get the chance to do any of the co-op missions together, you and I. I played through all the 4E missions after I beat the main story. What were your, uh, were what were your favorite missions? Fun. Ooh. Do, so, you, do you have favorite missions or is it too hard to choose? It's so hard to choose. I think top 
two would have to be either uh, would have to be site F as one of them, and eh, probably just site F. I think that that one had a lot of <laughs> just site F, huh? Site F is probably my favorite mission because I think it had a lot of uh, variance to it in terms of the setting, and I also thought the music that it was playing behind in the background was super cool. Uh, the variety of enemies and the actual setting itself was pretty exciting as well. The level was designed pretty well. Had a little bit of everything. I enjoyed. And it was challenging. And also, you had them spy lasers. There's a whole vent traversing part where you have the moving lasers that you have to avoid. Can't play. Oh, you like that. You can't play a spy game without lasers. (laughs) I thought they were kind of annoying. They are annoying, but you got to have lasers. You're infiltrating a government base. And you're but a who little puts lasers in boy. the air ducts? I guess people who don't want spies to go through the air ducts. Yeah, <laughs> it was just one of those ones now. where it's like, all right, he's a secret agent guy. We got to have lasers because every action Stella movie has lasers in it. I just thought it was kind of a funny little cheesy. Somebody needs to create a game like one of those cheap Unreal Engine 4 games. Where it's just like. So you know how some some games try to really flesh out a a sword combat system, kind of yeah. like Mordhau, mm-hmm. where they have all these different moves and they you know you're very you have like tight control over how your sword moves and all that stuff. Yeah, they need to make one with a fleshed out laser beam dodging system, <laughs> and the entire game is just like levels with laser beams. I would, I like bet that would actually truck, sell. Just that forward running. No, yeah. that 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 would probably sell. Actually, that actually <laughs> sounds fun if you can make it snappy and enjoyable, but. Who knows Chances how you do slow. that though? That's what. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, because the uh, the laser dodging and splinter cells a little lacking. <sighs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> the why that's even in the game in the first place is beyond me. But whatever. It's it's the short weak point that I can live with. Breaks up the breaks up the action a little bit for some reason. Yeah, because that's what the game. Climbing needed. and parkour. Okay, so you've mentioned in the past that you do like in God of War, you hate the fact that they make you climb all this crap just for dialogue exposition. Do you feel the same way about Sam Fisher in Splinter Cell when there's no dialogue exposition and just climbing? Well, that's to an end. It's usually to get into an advantageous position. It's it's ca- exactly. Uh, you're you're using the little a little bit of sandbox to find a position in which you can carry out your malicious moves yeah it's engaging your problem solving and tactics building mind when you're doing this parkour there's both a matter uh an element of execution because you have to figure out the right timing and you have to do it quickly in order to not get caught but also when was where you do this parkour business is key to whether or not you do it and when and how and all this kind of stuff so that is world's separated from mindlessly holding down the the joystick and hitting x every once in a while because there's no thought into execution it's just i'm just gonna sit here and do this because the game is making me now you don't have to do parkour in splinter cell you can do so to be in an advantageous position against your opponents it's recommended you do so i just think the game would be far weaker without those options i 100 percent agree when you were initially cool. brought this up I thought you were talking about these like little in-between area soft cutscene set piece things where you're like 
climbing through the vent to the next portion of the map and Grim talks to no, you through your intercom No, I'm just talking thing. about the climbing in general. Mm, mm, no, that that stuff's fantastic. It's oh, it's kind of nice. the bread and butter of this whole of this game because it's all about parkouring around. It's the it's the Sam Fisher ingredient. And we'll make a I want to make a point here because I'm very bitter about this. This is how you do climbing and parkour, or not even parkour, but just climbing in games. Not Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where you can climb literally anything. Imagine if Sam Fisher just like lasered up walls <laughs> without having to find points to climb. Yeah. If they just removed this feature from new Assassin's Creed games, like the the com not combat, the stealth would be so much more fulfilling than just, oh, it's a wall. I can climb it. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually put thought into it's where so and lazy. how. It adds a dimension of tactics because A, it's giving you a new position to attack enemies from, but also it's forcing you to engage your brain as to how can I reach that spot to attack my enemies from there, as opposed to, like you said, lasering up a wall from any point and you can just inevitably climb if, until you reach a ledge to grab onto. Yeah. But plenty of good gameplay to talk about. We could I could talk about for another 30 minutes with all the various missions and set pieces and cool little stuff like that. But we got to move on to story thoughts. I want to hear yours first. Um, this is the official spoiler warning. This, this point is. we're getting into spoiler territory and we'll be discussing the story with reckless abandon. If you want to see the wrap up and our final thoughts, look in the description for timestamps. All right. Um, Charlie is really annoying. <laughs> You you dislike Charlie? <laughs> At the beginning, and then he gets super nervous and like sobers up a little bit. I get what they're trying to do. It's the classic comic relief character. But comic relief characters are generally funny and Charlie is not. Yeah. Uh I about halfway agree. through he sobers up and, and he becomes much less annoying. You're playing with an actual karambit while recording Splinter Cell Blacklist. Yeah, it's you gotta do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie's character, in my opinion, isn't isn't so much comic relief because I think it's I think it's relatively safe to say that they're writing his character as self awarely unfunny, but non serious, if that makes sense. Like, he's a non-serious character, not necessarily a funny character. Um, the whole thing, because there's a whole cutscene at the end between him and Grimm, who's saying, you don't take your job seriously. Like, you were actually good at your job, you just choose not to take it seriously. So, the whole, it's kind of showing a, it's, in my opinion, purposely unfunny and awkward because... Charlie is just screwing off when everyone else is in a very serious situation and it doesn't fit. It's not right and he shouldn't be doing it and it's indicative of a character flaw of his that he's avoiding with humor, which is not ultimately very funny, in my opinion. I do agree, though. I do like that he sobers up over the course of the game. I think it shows a nice little character arc for him, small as it may be. I just... Okay, second character, sorry. I'm just moving on from Ollie or from 
Charlie. Holly <laughs> just randomly shows up. You were there when I had like, who's this bald dude? Yeah, like-, <laughs> like randomly. Because they, they show the entire cast and then randomly some bald dude walks in and slaps a map on the table. I'm like, who's this dude? <laughs> they ha- they're there the entire time. If you walk around Are they? Yeah, so if you walk around fourth echelon, he's at there at the computer the entire time. You just can't talk to him. There's like two or three characters oh. that you can't talk to pretty much the entire game. It's the pilot, Ollie, and then some other random dude who's at a computer <laughs> and it's like what are you even doing here i guess it's supposed to add a certain level of immersion where it's like uh, uh we only have these four people on the plane really this all, these four people are running all of the information <laughs> taking care of everything so on that front Flying i guess it kind of makes plane. sense it just doesn't it doesn't really matter for the story at all um, no it doesn't at all because yeah but it's just kind of funny and by the way they only mention his name once the fact that you remember his name shows what a dedication you have to this no game. it's twice at one point like oh ollie oh is it twice twice there's once where he hands grim a paper and she goes he's thanks ollie and then there's another one where it's like ollie's hits <laughs> during that whole sequence with the plane and i was like yeah. oh damn they brought him back for a second line <laughs> <laughs> Like he was important after Did all. Did have a voice actor for Ollie? No. Does he say anything? Nope. Nothing? Nope. I don't think <laughs> just so. Just this dead animated character. That's awesome. Uh, I'll bet you I'll bet you, dude. I'll bet you if you if you look on the on the game game page, there's some voice credit for Ollie. He has a grunt somewhere. Or mocap. Or mocap, or like he'll be at his computer and there's there's random dialogue. Like Possibly. ambient dialogue. Possibly. I guarantee you there's some random dude who did a grunt for Ollie. Yeah, probably somewhere. But enough enough cherry picking things. Let's get into the the story here. What was what were your overall thoughts of the story, either from a character or a plot standpoint? I think the premise of the game with the engineers uh, and the blacklist was a great hook. Got me invested. Just like Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible Impossible is successful for a number of reasons, but one is that. Everybody loves the idea of a countdown, countdown to a horrific or tragic event, and this game does that immediately. It does a, it does add a sense of urgency to the game and your missions. It adds a sense of urgency to the story, and when you go back to your ship and you see the computer there with the countdown, and you get the briefing on, oh, this is there's going to be a nerve gas attack uh, in Boston or whatever, right? Yeah. Then... Uh, and then you drop down into that mission, having that kind of the uh, natural progression from the paladin down to the mission and being able to see it counting down between missions to each attack is a great it's a great hook. Yeah. Um, I really liked how fast paced it was. Again, this game is not very long. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how long. I would guess it probably took me under 10 hours, which really? may be a little bit rushed, but I didn't feel like I was pretty particularly rushed look uh, look i'm on normal okay so i imagine even though i didn't feel rushed it was probably easier than it would have been possibly because i took my time at the ship i would upgrade everything i could use all my cash and then mm-hmm. do all my loadout before i left it wasn't as if i just hit you know spammed play yeah whenever i got new upgrades i would go check them out but that being said that's that's maybe even better an even better point without hard difficulty this game is even shorter by perhaps a substantial margin which means you have to pack the story into a pretty small package it's concise and 
for for what it's worth, I think they did a pretty decent job. Being that it's so short, there's I I believe some issues with character development because it's it's got to be pretty darn hard to have four or five different characters and have each of them you know uh, go through some sort of a story arc or character development arc in the course of three hours of cutscenes and dialogue yeah or whatever like substantial dialogue and cutscenes. And I thought that the, I thought that on the whole they relatively speaking achieved it not as persuasively as games that are 25 30 plus hours but i right. thought that they actually did a pretty decent job at packing it in as sure as it is the only complaint that i have on that front is that they didn't show close the charlie loop on the like he has that serious talk with grim but she doesn't want sam to know about it because she's worried that sam's gonna get angry and throw him off the team yada 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 I thought that was kind of frustrating to throw Sam under the bus and not really give Charlie an opportunity to fully reconcile with his mistakes like that at the end of the story. However, I think nearly every other story point hit the mark. Broadly speaking, Grimm comes into her own and becomes a leader in the team, questioning Sam and uh, debating his decision-making when it's justified to do so. Sam learns how to value the team as well as the mission instead of just the mission, no team, and also learns how to actually be a persuasive and effective leader to a certain degree um, instead of just this cold, calculated, emotionless individual, which you would expect from someone who's got his background. Uh, Charlie learns to take his missions more seriously Briggs, I think, is the only person that doesn't really undergo any growth because I don't really think that he has any issues the closest thing that you could he's a pretty decent dude to begin with yeah and i think that's fair he's like a foil to sam in the sense that he is on the mark he's consistent and he has the proper balance of team and mission and it's used as a reflection to then help sam grow so i appreciate that especially and again it's all short small stuff so you have to kind of infer through very short cutscenes. but at the very end when briggs gets shot by sadiq and there's that whole, like, here, we'll help you get you out of here. Briggs tells him to go ahead. Yeah. That whole thing. There's also an optional dialogue between the two of them where they make up after their whole argument and stuff. They, like, Sam apologizes. They do, like, we good, we're good. And then move on. So. So I think you also have to put the, the whole story into perspective. This game is nuts to butts action. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that timer, and every mission is something, you know, some huge substantial jump. And they're going from one piece of intel to the next. They're flying all over the world. They're flying, you know, from Benghazi to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania over to, I don't know, India or whatever. You know, back and forth between Iranian countries and Russia. They go to, they go to England at one point. They're all over the place, mm-hmm. right? So you got, you got to understand also it's a, it's a thriller, if anything, it's not meant to have the same emotional heft of a Sony first party exclusive where they spend 30 minutes, 30 hours developing a character. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's not going to. And I don't think you can fault the game. Well, you, some, to some extent, you can. If, if, if they try t- to pull something off and don't do it well, that is certainly something you can fault the game for. However, I think given what they had and the time that they had to do it, 
it's pretty well executed yeah. and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna piss on it for that so maybe because it'd the, be the helpful to look at the, story, the game the more action. like what because the action in this game and the uh the espionage story yeah is fun engaging and, and so moves quick enough to keep you well uh, it might be helpful to look at the story more like a movie from the Bourne series and less like some drama. Exactly. I think that there's actually some pretty interesting and fun plot elements to this and character elements to this that actually make the game more interesting than it would have otherwise been. The effective storytelling in this game through the minimal cutscenes and the character development of the antagonist shows how weak and lazy the structure of many of these stealth games is, which is the drop you in location and explain why you're there and what you're doing in two lines of dialogue and then move on. Most yes. notably in games like Ghost Recon Wildlands, a very fun gameplay oriented game, but the story is just non-existent because every single time you go somewhere, your, your leader, your, uh, your control room gal just says, Oh, you have to go here and kill this person. And there is no explanation really as to why, how you got this information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of these missions had these really cool cutscenes in between, which I think added a lot of depth and uh, urgency to these missions. Most notable example, in my opinion, would be American Consumption, where yeah. instead of just, oh, we're in Chicago now to stop this this thing there's a whole added layer of uncertainty to the validity of your mission. You're initially mm -hmm. assigned to go to Dallas on the president's direct orders to stop this attack. And Charlie ex explains why he thinks that this is not the location of the attack based on both a pretty fun little plot element um, in terms of, or a, a pretty cool little explanation through the no fly list thing. I thought that was pretty fun, but then also uh, the added impetus of last time the engineers spat over spat information all over the internet, a whole bunch of service members got killed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, adding more gravity and weight to every single decision that they're making. And it's not until about two thirds through this mission that you're certain that it is in fact an engineer's attack that you're stopping as opposed to just some random hostage situation. So, and this, the game was riddled with these, in between game cutscenes, in level cutscenes that kind of added direction to the mission as opposed to just entering in with an objective, completing your objective, and then exfil. Yeah, there's a there's a full mission briefing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is great. Like you said, two lines of dialogue. Hey, this is Manuel Ferrara. He makes the cocaine. Go kill him. Yeah. That's not very satisfactory. No. So, and yeah, I, I uh, like I said, it, I think it's a concise, well-made story for the length of what it is, or the length of it, and for what it is. Yeah, character uh, development, be damned. Final yeah. little icing on the cake with the story, Majid Sadiq, super cool antagonist. I thought it was super fun oh, that they added like a thing. second layer of. Like, the entire blacklist thing was just a misdirection to execute continuity of government so they can get all of the government's classified information. I thought that, like, that twist was super fun um, and exciting. 
And it gave he didn't show him up more powerful. Made him seem more powerful. Made him seem more real and like he actually had a brain working as a mastermind of terrorism, as opposed to just this blindly sadistic mechanical individual who just wants to create fear. Yeah. I I feel like he didn't show up enough. He didn't. I would have liked another scene or two with him before I slashed his kneecaps. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Speaking <laughs> of slashing kneecaps, are we talking last... about that ending? <laughs> yeah, what the crap? What a disappointing <laughs> boss fight. I yeah. get it, because like, if you shoot someone in the head, it makes it a little too easy. But... I feel like there would have been a better way to do it, probably. But, like, there's no way to do a boss fight in a game like this, in my opinion. If you had a random set piece where you're in some kind of room and you have to kill everyone to finally get to the boss fight, you would just say to yourself, why do I need to kill everyone else first to get to Sadiq? Why can't I just shoot him from across the room? So in there, Last of Us Part 2, in Last of Us Part 2, uh, spoilers for Last of Us Part 2, so you play through half the game with Ellie, right? And then you get to a point where she's confronted by Abby and then she shoots her friends and goes to rape Abby or whatever. Um, and then it cuts and you move to, to Abby. And you play through the entire game again from Abby's perspective. And then you get into the room with Ellie and you have to hunt her down. It's, this, it's a very similar style where you have to stealth around. Uh, and and or Ellie's walking around with her bow looking for you. And you have to stealth around and try to stab her ass. As much as I don't really like that game, I feel that the execution in that game was much better than the execution in Blacklist here. Yeah. And Last of Us is not, it, it doesn't have great stealth. It's not top of the line stealth combat or gameplay. But... It is very fluid, and um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it worked. But there was a lot more dialogue exposition as you went through it, and it felt a lot more cinematic. I think maybe the problem with Blacklist, the ending, is that it didn't feel cinematic when it was supposed to be somewhat of a cinematic moment, and then it was just ultimately anticlimactic. It takes You have to sneak up on him and hit him once. Yeah. There's nothing else to it. So, what are you going to do? I, mean, I, I think you're right to some extent as, as far as boss fights go. It's, it's hard to do an actual boss fight aside from making somebody into a bullet sponge. Which doesn't make sense in a game like this. It doesn't make sense if you've played eight hours, nine hours of this game and everyone takes two shots to the head, you know? Or one. Or one. But, you know, with helmeted boys. True, true, true. But yeah, that's my only real complaint is that wacky ending where uh, where you have the boss fight, which is anticlimactic, and then you have this fifth freedom thing. I think exercise your fifth freedom. So the whole concept of the fifth freedom actually pretty interesting, where it's basically yeah. like a license to kill, but for Splinter Cell universe, where basically those who are part of this Splinter Cell, the division that. Sam Fisher is part of basically have full latitude to break any form of legal, ethical, or other kind of code or law in order to accomplish some form of greater good, that being the peace and security of the American people in this instance. 
that so freedom is executed to terminate the life of the secretary of defense by by Briggs in order to stop him from giving Sadiq government information. However, it was also used to spare Sadiq's life and what? Because it says spare or kill, and it then Sam Fisher says, "Then Sam says yeah. there's always another option, but that other option was just the spare option." Spare option, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think okay. So if he killed him, then the government says, "Hey, Sadiq is dead." If he spares him, then the government says Sadiq is alive. His other option is to spare him tell everybody that he's dead is that what the and then they interrogate him i would i would assume that's the implication i thought the implication was maybe that they hold him interrogate him but never let him have a trial like basically revoke his right to a trial and attorney and all that kind of stuff as they would any other criminal with spare uh no the fifth freedom being like we're gonna hold you in a well, cell right, because they're, they're telling they told the world that he's dead they're not gonna put him on oh a was that trial. they did tell him to tell the world that he was dead yeah yeah that was like the okay. whole i forget making if it that a, or they're making it official and they're like ah sadiq uh, the terrorist behind the engineers has been confirmed he's been killed uh you yeah. know the men and women behind this operation their names will never be known but their their sacrifice will be eternally felt do you think that the yeah, so implication that the is thing. that they tortured Sadiq for his information, do you think, or just questioned him until I they had it? I think that's the case. That was the post credit scene where him and Vic walk into the room and it's yeah. like, oh, something's about to go down. Yeah. I feel like they yeah. weren't going to use conventional questioning tactics on that. No. <laughs> that's probably where that fifth good, freedom good kicked good cop, in. It's where they're like, all right, yeah. you're going to lose some fingers and limbs, buddy, unless you start, <laughs> unless you start talking. <laughs> That was disgusting when he walked in and the uh, Secretary of Defense had his arm cut off. Yeah. Or his hand. I mean, again, Sadiq had such a fun personality that you kid. kind of want to see more of him where, you know, you're torturing yeah. the Secretary of Defense to get <laughs> information by cutting off his fingers. You He leaves the room for a minute and then comes back and he goes, what are you doing? He's going to bleed to <laughs> what death. Are you doing? Hand me that tourniquet. And he's like all pissed off and he like, you know stabilizes him so you know like that and then he steps away for a second and he goes okay work on the other hand now like two seconds later he's like all right time to start chopping off more it's like dude is sadistic (laughs) but he was a really fun villain sadistic i liked how twisty and turny and mysterious each step of the plot was that at no point on a first playthrough, would you be able to anticipate what comes next? But at the same time, at no point did it feel like, oh, you just pulled that out of your butt. We're on this mission because you just decided we are, not because the story made sense mm-hmm. for it to be that way. It felt like each mission had a purpose and an explanation for it, as opposed to just like go in, kill a person, leave for no reason whatsoever, which I which I really appreciated. I they tried. For again, as short of a story as it was, they they actually tried to make one as opposed to just saying, "Well, no one cares about the story anyway. People want to shoot people with stealth and call it good." So I appreciated it. That's when they morphed it into Ghost Recon. That's what happens. Oh God! What are you gonna do if they uh, remake this game or a game and make it uh, open world? Oh, you keep saying that, which makes me think you know that it's going to be that way through some kind of insider information 
it, but the insider information I have is that they are Ubisoft. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's not insider information. That's just information. It's, it's a no. It's an it's a trade secret. Gotcha, gotcha. It's an, it's an uh, industry secret. I think it would kind of betray the Splinter Cell formula. You can't you really think? put a lot of detail into the level structure if you're dealing with an open world. It gets really lazy and formulaic in terms of the situation that you're dealing with. Prime example, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Probably the best of that entire series. And by the end, I mean, there's a ton of really fun set pieces in there. The environment is pretty fun to engage with for the most part. But the way that the the AI works in a scenario like that is completely different because you can handle threats from much further away. And the world building is all in about is all about the environment, not so much the actual interactable objects in the level itself. Cover will be handled in a completely different way. Detection will be handled There's in no a completely like, different yeah. way. It would just suck. I would hate it if it was open world. I'm sure I would enjoy the game conceptually, but it would not be like any exactly. other Splinter Cell game. So just I'm like hoping they that they stealth mechanics are just cause I, I really, really hope that they stick with what they know in terms of Splinter Cell, because it would suck to have a game just break from the mold like that. If you want to make a crappy stealth open world game, just make another Ghost Recon game. Don't reboot Splinter Cell to crap all over it. Although that they, doesn't they stop tried. literally any other entity from digging up old games and movies and crapping all over them. So I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Well, they For tried those to be wondering. World. There has been official announcement of a Splinter Cell reboot from Ubisoft themselves. The question is, will it be good? <laughs> Which is always a question. And the consensus is no. I would assume not, given the way but, that Ubisoft runs these days. Which is why they're digging up Splinter Cell almost ten years later, is because they've destroyed all of their other IPs with terrible <laughs> game mechanics and lazy world building. And horrible execution with aggressive microtransactions. So, we will see. I just have my fingers crossed for, for a trigoggle NFT. Oh, you're <laughs> making me hurt on the inside. We just have to brace for the reality, and most Splinter Cell fans have. Some even before Blacklist, because it was met with some criticism itself, that Splinter Cell's glory days are long gone and we just have to accept that what's installed in the series now is what will forever be. If they if they actually end up swinging and hitting a home run, then I will not complain. I will sing Ubisoft's praises to the hilltops, but I will wait until and I they will follow up. And then they'll we'll follow, follow up. up next year with another one because they made so much money. They're like, yes, let's milk this one dry. We'll give Far Cry a chance to rest. Yeah before we go back to those sore bruised udders they just keep recycling lazy entities and making them worse and worse and worse over time like i don't know how you recycle 90 percent of the assets for a game and it gets worse <laughs> not that it gets more tired it should be at least tired of them, but like they actually are like they're executed less effectively in the newer installment with new technology than they are in the older games. It's just whatever. I, I don't want to go on a Ubisoft rant today. 
No. Let's just not let's today. just call it. Let's just let's just let's call just it, call it here. Let's just call it before it gets messy. Your thoughts on <laughs> Splinter Cell Blacklist, Joshua? My thoughts. I really, really enjoyed Splinter Cell Blacklist, which I'm sure makes you happy. Indeed. And it was a bit of an uphill battle. I think that's an impressive feat for that game to achieve because. Uh, I got pissed <laughs> a couple different segments. <laughs> I witnessed firsthand. I was very nervous going yeah, into this today. It, it was, yeah, I, I assumed as much. Once I got those bugs sorted out, the game itself really opens up. It's really quite an enjoyable stealth experience. It's short enough that you don't feel like you're investing huge amounts of time into what could have been a mediocre story. But even that, thankfully, was actually pleasantly surprising. I was able to follow it for the most part, which sometimes is not the case in some of these espionage, military style, try to make everything military gobbledygook. So, story, uh, gameplay, it's all there. It checks all my boxes, backed up by a pretty decent soundtrack. All the puzzle pieces are there for a stealth game that I quite enjoyed. I I don't think it's particularly deep but i also don't think a lot of games are doing what it did in 2013 nowadays so it's definitely a, a recommend for a 10 year old almost video game but what about you this is a game that i've been playing for years now i can say with confidence that i have about 250 hours in this game and it does not cease to bring me joy every time I play it. I think I probably played through the campaign five times now. And this time I have actually gone through paying attention to the story. I haven't actually watched all the cutscenes since the first time I played it when I was like 12. Uh, so, or 13, whatever, how old I was. I thoroughly enjoy this game more and more with it with time because I'm getting better at it. I've played it through on the highest difficulty this time around, and I found that that was the most balanced and enjoyable experience I've had yet with it. The AI is the most believable at that level. Story holds up. It, As you said, Josh, it doesn't overload it with this military gobbledygook that makes no sense to anyone and is actually relatively accessible. The gameplay is all there. The detection system is all there. There's a whole lot of nuance to it that we didn't even get into, but there's a whole lot of nuance to it that I've now realized playing it through with a more critical eye that I really appreciated. I am sad that this is the most recent installation of the series, but it just means I have plenty of other games in the past to dig into as well. So all thumbs up here, absolutely holds up over the years and I would recommend anyone who enjoys stealth shooters to go give it a try if they have not even if it doesn't have Michael Ironside as the voice actor it's acceptable not it's... Michael Ironside mm, indeed, indeed. want to well, take us out? just takes us to our time this has been the Deep Fried Gaming Podcast if you would be so kind as to check out our partner and friend Hard Drive Sigma. He is over there at harddrivesigma.com. He does reviews. He does retrospectives as well. He also does blog posts and any other manner of nerdy philosophy gaming stuff. 
he is trying really hard. He's busting his butt to get content out there, and we would love if you gave him a hand and gave him a view. Joshua. If you like what you heard here or if you hated it, our email is at deepfriedgamingpodcast at gmail.com. You can direct all of your hate comments there. Or if you'd like us to play a game or just want to tell us what pieces of garbage we are or naughty words, that is your email at deepfriedgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next Tuesday.